All right, welcome back to the big program. Time now for the Pigskin Report, brought to you by Mr. Lube. Stop in now for an oil change. No appointment necessary. Be winner ready at one of their nine Edmonton locations, mrlube.com, as we welcome in Rod Walker from the Times-Picayune and the uh, New Orleans Saints, home to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Thursday night football. Uh, Rod, thanks for doing this. Welcome to Sports 1440. Uh, thanks for having me on. So expectations for tonight, uh, several storylines. What about injuries as far as the Saints go and for the Jaguars uh, that matter, for that matter? Can you kind of give an update in that sense? Um, I guess the, the biggest news tonight, I guess, is if Trevor Lawrence is going to play for the Jaguars. Uh, right now it looks like he's going to try to give it a go and warm up so they'll make a game-time decision on him and, Obviously, he's the, <laughs> the straw that stirs the drink for them. So uh, that's going to be, you know, the biggest thing. As far as the Saints, I mean, they have two really big injuries on the offensive line. Both tackles got hurt um, in Sunday's game against the Houston Texans. and So they're going to have to reshuffle their offensive line this week. And the offensive line has been the whole weak spot for this team this season. I mean, in fact, it's the weak link of the team and kind of, the genesis of some of their offensive struggles. So you have that issue. And you also have linebacker Demario Davis, who's dealing with a knee injury. And, you know, Demario has never missed a game due to injury in his career. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's the, the centerpiece, the cornerstone of his defense. And um, I think he's missed one game due to COVID in 2021. But I found that he had missed a game since coming into the league back in 2012. So um, if he's not able to go, they'd have to um, – probably activate um, Jalen Smith off of the practice squad and let him um, fill in for DeMario. So, um, yeah, those are the, you know, as far as the injuries, those are the main main ones that I'm going into this game. Yeah, there's a lot of them for sure. And you did touch on the fact that uh, Trevor Lawrence is uh, still up in the air. Of course, everyone up here in Canada is, uh, well, we're not cheering for that, but we uh, do know that uh, Canadian quarterback Nathan Rourke has been activated to the 53-man roster, played uh, up here in the CFL. And I'm sure you don't know a whole lot about him, but we do know a lot about him up here. He played a little bit in the preseason uh, for uh, Jacksonville. And maybe, who knows, just maybe he might see some action tonight as we're speaking with Rod Walker, the Times picking and covering the Saints. Uh, the red zone uh, problem for New Orleans has been uh, very, very front and center. So is there a way they can kind of change that tonight? Um, I don't know. You know, coming off a of four days four days rest, you you have to wonder if they can. I mean, I mean, you don't really get a whole lot of work done on these short weeks with Thursday night games and this this team's issues in the red zone. I mean, they were off three against the uh, Texans on Sunday. This has been something that sort of plagued Derek Carr's career. You know, even back going back to his days with the Raiders. So um, I don't know if they can fix them this quickly. Um, cause it's just a bunch of different things. I mean, they have a they they have penalties that they get in the red zone. They kind of push them back. Um, last week they missed a chip shot field goal, which took some points away, and just a bunch of issues on this team. And and again, we talked about this offensive line that's going to be a makeshift line tonight. I mean, they just have a lot of issues that I don't know if they can get them fixed mm-hmm. this soon. So um, that's definitely going to be something that everybody's going to be watching this week uh, because it's been, you know, something that's happened in the whole season. I mean, they're 28th in the league in the red zone right now. It's kind of hard for us to even believe that there are four other teams that are worse than them in the red zone, but, but that's the case. And, I mean, they just really struggle when they get down there. They don't 
they're fine moving the ball up and down the field, but it's like once they get to the 20 yard line, it's like a brick wall is put up and they just cannot penetrate it. And um, it's kind of a mind boggling when you when you think about how bad they've been been there. This team they had 430 yards last week against the Texans, which was um, more yards than anybody in the NFL had in week um, six and still lost the game. So that kind of tells you all you need to know about that, that offense and their struggle there. Yeah, they only put 13 points up on the board for sure. So with that offensive line being bagged up, Rod, do you see a lot of uh, you know outlet passes, dump passes to Alvin Kamara again? I think you'll have to, and I think they'll want to get the running game going, but I don't know if they'll actually be able to. Um, they do get Jamal Williams back tonight. He's um, He's been out with a hamstring injury. He's been on injured reserve, so... They're supposedly activating him, which will, you know, give Kamara some help in the backfield. But um, yeah, I think you'll see a lot of short pass. You'll have to. I mean, I don't know mm-hmm. if the team can um, can get the ball down the field, and, and they've really struggled, you know, especially Sunday. I mean, they had some communication issues with with Derek Carr and the receivers. I mean, they just weren't on the same page, and a lot of that is coming on, you know, checks and stuff at the line of scrimmage, and the receivers and Carr just aren't together and. You know, they have a lot of passes that you'll see Carr and the receivers like looking at each other like, I thought you were going to be there. And people just aren't in the wrong, and people aren't in the right place. And it's just been um, another big um, stumbling block for this offense. Rod Walker's our guest uh, from the Times Picayune on Sports 1440. What have you seen from receiver um, Rashid Shahid? Had a pretty good game last week. Do you see him kind of a, being a little bit of an up and comer uh, this year? Yeah, I mean, he's a guy that, um, you know, he showed flashes last year of how good he could be. And, and when you talk about him, you obviously have to talk about how fast he is. I mean, he comes from a, a track family. His mom, dad, were both track stars in college is where they met. He has sisters that are track stars. So, I mean, he's a guy that that speed is just kind of in his blood. And, you know, he, he's leading the team in um, touchdowns this season. Um, and they don't have a lot of touchdowns. So, mm-hmm. um, but I mean, he leaves him a touchdown. He has a punt return for a touchdown. And he's a guy that whenever he gets the ball, I mean, you think he can take it the distance, and um, you know, he's he's been able to do that, and uh, he's a big part of what they do on offense. Our guest uh, on the Kevin Carey Show is uh, Rod Walker from the Times Picayune on Sports fourteen forty. Uh, defensively, what have you noticed? Uh, kind of standing out, I guess, so far in the first uh, half dozen games for the Saints this year? Uh, I would say that's, that's secondary. They've been really good. They, you know, they've created some turnovers, which they struggled with last year, and this year they sort of put an emphasis on it um, throughout the offseason. They talked about it, you know, almost every day, it seems like. Uh, new coordinator, uh, Joe Woods, who was previously mm-hmm. with the Browns and had spent some time with Dennis Allen before, but um, yeah, they, they're really physical. Uh, they can create turnovers. And, um, their ability to play so physical sometimes hurts them because they do get a bunch of uh, pass interference calls, probably you know more than most teams in the league because of their willingness to play so physical. That's how they want to play. And, you know, it sort of paid off for them. I mean, Tyron Matthews having a really good season. Um, he had a pick six in, in, in a game that, um, kind of sparked them um, in their win against New England two weeks ago, and um, obviously Marshawn Lattimore is one of the better better cornerbacks in the league. Um, he sort of not had the his last two weeks haven't been great, but before that, I mean, he was playing really well, and they'll definitely need him to get back on track because they're playing a Jacksonville team tonight with a bunch of weapons. Mm-hmm. Like you look at Calvin Ridley and Evan Ingram and all those guys they have. 
on that side of the ball. So, um, yeah, they'll need a, another big game from their um, from their secondary, I would, I would imagine. If uh, quarterback Trevor Lawrence can't go for uh, Jacksonville tonight, uh, you see, I don't know, 25-plus touches for Trevor Etienne? Yeah, I think he's a guy that, that you definitely want to get the ball to. I mean, Trevor Lawrence has a – you know, he has an ability to kind of move around in the pocket and do some things. And if he does play, I mean, I don't know if he'll be as mobile as he normally is. So, um, I mean, Travis, he's a guy that gets the ball a lot anyway, but I think they'll definitely get it to him. You know, he's a, kind of looking forward to seeing him. He's a guy that actually grew up here in Louisiana before he went off to Clemson. So um, I'm talking about Travis uh, at the end here. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Yeah, he's a guy that people here are we're very familiar with him, and um, I'd expect him to you know definitely get his his share of touches uh, against this team. Speaking with Rod Walker from the Times Picayune, um, how do you see the NFC South shaping up right now? Obviously, Carolina's out of it, but uh, I mean it's anybody's division to win between the three other teams. Yeah, right? I mean I kind of wrote I mentioned it in a column today. Yeah. I mean this division is right now. I think it looks just as bad as it did last <laughs> year when. Uh, uh, you know, every team, you know, was floating around 500, and it was just a, you know, really tough year. And going into the season, I think we all thought the Saints were probably the best team in the division because we assumed that they had the best quarterback in the division. We, we thought Derek Carr would, you know, be heads and shoulders above everybody else in the division. But you look at Baker Mayfield, I mean, he's playing, you know, he's having a pretty solid season in Tampa Bay. And um, Tampa Bay came to New Orleans and, you know, they took it to the Saints in that game. So right now, I guess you'd have to say that they're the front runner. But those teams are all jumbled up. Tampa Bay's three and two, uh, Saints and Falcons three and three. So um, yeah, it's gonna come down to the wire, just like it did last year, I would imagine. Yeah, end of the season is I think a game against Tampa Bay at the very end for the Saints. But uh, could you see a team going eight and nine and winning this division? I could. I mean, that's kind of how <laughs> I went last year, and I wouldn't be shocked if it goes that way again because I, I do see the, you know, when you talk about the Falcons, the Bucks, and the Saints, I mean, I kind of see all those teams probably, you know, splitting with each other and just not a whole lot of separation, which is it's kind of crazy, but you look at this the schedule. I mean, the NFC South was matched up with the AFC South this year, and, you know, when the schedule came out, most of us, I mean, we figured the Saints would – have no trouble with the Texans. Mm-hmm. They beat the Colts. Figure they beat you know, you know. Thought the Titans may be tough, and then Jacksonville will also be tough. But the schedule was actually really favorable for the Saints, and here they are sitting at three and three, um, six weeks in. But I mean, it does get still sort of friendly the rest of the way. I mean, they play the Colts next. Colts will be without Anthony Richardson. Mm-hmm. Play the Bears after that, and they'll be without Justin Fields. So there are a lot of things that. Are favorable for the Saints schedule, but um, as I said on some of our podcasts this week, I mean, I think they just this is a team that their issues are more internal than who they're playing against. So they have to fix themselves before they worry about who's missing from these other teams that they're facing. Yeah. Hey, Rod, in your mind, who's the better team right now, Tampa Bay or Atlanta, besides the Saints in the NFC South? Hmm. I'd probably lean towards. Um, <laughs> I'm probably t- going to say Tampa Bay just because I saw them in person and mm-hmm. saw how they were able to score a lot of points. I mean, scored 26 points against the Saints defense, which is, you know, no team had scored. It's hard to score 20 points against the Saints defense, and Tampa Bay was able to do it. I think, um, you know, if I had, you know, if I'm going to a game, I think I trust Baker Mayfield over Desmond Ritter. Um, but I do think the Falcons have a chance to to be really good. And before the season started, I thought they were 
that could be the surprise team of this division and hadn't quite panned out because I don't think they're really getting what they need from the quarterback play that that, that you have to do that you have to have to be really successful. Uh, appreciate but right now, just to get the to Tampa Bay. Yeah, I mean, again, it, the division is totally up in the air, and eight and nine could win it, or sorry, eight and yeah, eight and nine could win it. Nine and eight probably is going to win it. That's the way things are going. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. So, <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. Uh, uh, thanks for your time today, Rod. Uh, enjoy the game tonight, and it uh, should be a good one. Uh, Thursday night football, Saints and Jags. Appreciate it. Thanks for coming on. Thanks, man. Bye. That is Rod Walker from the Times-Picayune uh, paper and uh, part of our Pigskin Report brought to you by Mr. Lube. Uh, be winter ready at mrlube.com. Uh, just to mention once again, in case you missed it, Oilers, uh, in action tonight uh, in Philadelphia. Looks like uh, Jack Campbell will get the start in goal, and it looks like, according to the morning lines from all the reporters down in Philadelphia, that Vinny DeHarnay will come in on the blue line for Philip Broberg. Uh, when we come back, we will go in the community with the uh, University of Alberta Pandas volleyball head coach, Carolyn O'Dwyer. It sounds weird to say it, uh, but after... Uh, a long time, 31 years, uh, new head coach at the Pandas uh, Volleyball Helm. We'll check in with Caroline when we come back uh, right after the break on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. Stay with us. All right. Welcome back to the big program. Time to uh, go into the community for United Sports and Cycle. Uh, hockey days are on at United Sports and Cycle where you can save up to 35% off. United Sports and Cycle, your home of hockey for over 95 years as we check in uh, at the University of Alberta and head coach of the Pandas volleyball team, Carolyn O'Dwyer. Carolyn, welcome to Sports 1440. How are you? I am good. Thank you for having me. Well, how, how does that sound? Head coach of the Pandas volleyball team, Carolyn O'Dwyer. <laughs> uh, I don't think it's fully sunk in yet, even after about five, six weeks. But I think once we get into games, maybe that will sink in. But yeah, definitely some big shoes to to fill taking over from, from Lori. But yeah, it sounds good. Uh, Lori Eisler, as you mentioned, 1991 is when Lori got to the U of A. It just sounds, it doesn't even sound real when you say that, but you're no stranger to the program. Uh, you were with the, with the team in a, in a coaching capacity about five, six years ago. So, um, what are you kind of doing to put your own sort of fingerprint and stamp on the, on, on the team and on the, and the program at U of A? Um, well, yeah. So as you mentioned, spent uh, a few years working with, with Lori as an assistant coach, but uh, spent the last two years working with the the national team program uh, in Vancouver. Um, so definitely learned a lot in the the last two years and things that I'm definitely bringing to the to the team and and you know some small changes. Of course, Lori's uh, and still is a mentor of mine. So there's lots of things we see eye to eye on, but definitely my experience over the last two years bringing that in into the team. Um, could you maybe touch on a few of those things that Lori meant to you as as a mentor moving forward, and what you can kind of uh, uh, what you learn from her, and what you can take from that moving forward? That would definitely be a, a long list, um, <laughs> but I think a couple of things. Uh, just Lori's competitiveness and just commitment to to excellence, um, I think, has shown over the last 30 plus years and just the amazing program that she built here at U of A. And so I think 
that's definitely something I want to continue to to push is, um, you know, how can we be the best that we can possibly be? Uh, and then just her overall work ethic is uh pretty insane and definitely something I'm trying to trying to match and um, just giving everything I can to the, the group of young athletes that we have here. Panda's head coach of the volleyball squad, Carolyn O'Dwyer, is our guest on Sports 1440. Uh, when you were kind of serving under Laurie as an assistant coach, um, did you kind of know, hey, you know what, someday maybe I wouldn't mind? You know, this is something I would look at in taking over this program? Um. You know, I think it was maybe in the back of my head, but I tried not to get mm-hmm. too far ahead of myself. I think just really focusing on on doing a good job here. I knew I wanted to be a head coach, um, and obviously the University of Alberta program is uh, one of the best in the country. So of course that was definitely a dream, um, and maybe sitting sitting in the back of my head for sure. Um, you played as well. Obviously, uh, there aren't many coaches in volleyball that didn't play. Uh, can you kind of tell our viewers uh, where you played in your career on the court? So, yeah, I'm originally from Calgary. So I actually played at Mount Royal University um, and did my post-secondary career uh, there. Um, and then came straight from finishing my undergrad there to the master's program here at, at U of A. And that's kind of how I got started in the in the coaching realm. Um, but yeah, I did play uh, for the now, I guess, rivals, Mount Royal Cougars <laughs> uh, back in the day. Oh, for sure. Well, now you've got another rival to, to work at, I guess, and work against for sure. Um, Carolyn O'Dwyer is our guest on Sports 1440. What was your kind of role and what did you do with the, uh, the uh, Next Gen program and, and the National uh, Excellence program? Um, so, yeah, essentially my job with that program was just working with all athletes that we felt had the potential to be on the senior national team someday. So my job was to try to prepare them and kind of propel them uh, to that level. Um, So the national excellence program is for, for high school age athletes. We actually had athletes move to Vancouver for four months from wherever they lived uh, in the country. And, um, trained in a full-time training environment and so I got to work with them every single day um, and really trying to help uh, push them to kind of the the next level um, of volleyball and then with the the next gen program that is uh, mostly university and kind of first year second year pro athletes and really the same idea they come in come in the summer and uh, train full time um, in hopes that we're going to really propel them to help us qualify for the Olympics. Mm-hmm. So the former program you're talking about, is that players of all ages? What What's the age category there? Yes, that is, I guess, an unlimited age category. Uh Really, what it's looking at is athletes that we believe were four to eight years away ah, from okay. uh, Olympic level. I see. Carolyn O'Dwyer from the U of A Pandas volleyball team, head coach, is our guest on Sports 1440. Uh, so let's uh, talk a little bit about your team uh, moving into uh, game number one. You play tonight at uh, the Savile Community Sports Center against uh, Thompson Rivers University. So um, I guess with Lori kind of moving into uh, a management position, First of all, how did kind of recruiting go um, over the course of last year moving in to what your team looks like this year? Yeah, I was really fortunate uh, coming in that uh, Lori had done all the recruiting for this upcoming September. Um, 
how we do it now is most athletes kind of in their grade 11, maybe moving into grade 12 year, have decided where where they're going for university. So Lori had completed uh, that recruiting. So I didn't miss out on, you know, the top athletes in the country. And she did an excellent job. We actually have a few athletes that I got the chance to work with at the National Excellence Program um, this last year. So have some familiarity with them. But yeah, she did a great job recruiting. We are a, a very young team, but some really exciting talent this year for sure. Uh, can you touch on the players that the program lost from last year? Um, obviously a pretty big one. Um, we lost uh, Janae Eisler. So uh, our uh, libero was our one graduating fifth year um, last year. So a pretty big part of the program. She's pretty much been with the program since uh, since she was born. Yes. So that was a, a, a big loss for us. But um, otherwise, we look really similar. So I think building off of last year is... Um, yeah, going to be really important and have some some young athletes that were able to gain experience uh, playing last year. So who takes over Libero this year? Um, we have a, a really good Libero, uh, Calista uh, Napit, who's been with the team uh, the past three seasons and actually got quite a bit of opportunity to play last year. So um, is is experienced and uh, has done an excellent job in preseason. So, um, yeah, I think we'll will be in a really good spot in that position. Carolyn O'Dwyer is our guest on Sports 1440, head coach of the Pandas volleyball team. So, Carolyn, um, what about your outside hitters? What are strengths coming from the outside to uh, uh, put some balls away for your team? Mm, um, yeah, we have uh, our one and lowly fifth-year left side, <laughs> uh, Lauren Tremblay, who had an excellent season last year and will be continuing um, with us and then we actually have our uh, many of our pins have national team uh, junior national team and as I mentioned that national excellence program experience so our young ones have have played at a level even though they haven't played a ton of university ball yet um, they've got experience at world championships and uh, and big competitions like that so um, I think we're going to be really really set up on, on that side of the ball. So would you say you're sort of um, rebuilding or reloading? How would you kind of phrase uh, the concept of the team moving forward? Um, yeah, I guess you could use a, a reloading term. We, yeah, we definitely, as I mentioned, are, are young. Um, but I, I never like to kind of think that we're developing for the next season. We're definitely, I think, going to be competitive this year and going to push to do the best we possibly can uh, this season but um, yeah I guess reloading would be a a Mm -hmm. term for it just in in terms of our our age across the team so when you are kind of looking at that roster do you say okay maybe this year we want to have this kind of goal set uh, but we want to kind of build in order to maybe be a little stronger next year Um, how do you kind of uh, send that message to your team um, because it's kind of like a cyclical thing in, in university sports sometimes. Uh, how do you kind of portray that message to your team, not only for this year, but looking forward down the road? Um, yeah, I think still our, you know, our goal and my message to the team is, you know, we're still trying to win a, a national championship. Um, 
but for sure, I think finding success in some of the, the small areas and really our mantra so far in this preseason has been to really focus on our side of the net and are we getting better every single game practice mm-hmm. uh, and making sure we're taking care of that part um, and then hoping that the results will kind of take care of themselves that way. So definitely finding success in the small things and have really pushed them, okay, we need to measure whether, you know, we're building and improving um, within our own gym um, before we can kind of compare ourselves to everyone around us. Um, How much do you know about Thompson Rivers, your opponent tonight and tomorrow at uh, Savile Community Sports Centre? Yeah, we didn't get the chance to play against them, but we saw them in a in a preseason tournament this year. So, um, know a little bit about them. I think they're going to be, yeah, a really strong team and a, and a tough opponent. Their uh, head coach was on sabbatical last year and is back with the team. Um, so I think that always helps to get the you know the leader of the team back. Um, they also have a uh, an international opposite that is is very strong so someone we're definitely going to have to key on this weekend um who has a lot of experience playing at a really high level so definitely a challenge challenge for us this weekend uh caroline what is an international opposite uh she is not canadian (laughs) (laughs) professionally (laughs) uh she has played professionally overseas uh and now is uh getting her education here in canada so she has lots of high-level experience uh, playing, yeah, pro kind of didn't develop through our our Canadian club system. Um, Yeah. But does every team, do you guys have one? We do not currently have any international athletes. The the only restriction on it is uh, each team could have up to two, uh, uh, yeah, international Mm. athletes, and and some definitely we'll have them every year or, or not. It just kind of depends on the, the recruiting. We mm-hmm. currently don't, but definitely have in, in the past um, brought athletes from uh, other places. Okay. Um, Carolyn O'Dwyer from uh, Pandas Volleyball is with us on Sports 1440. I asked this to every, you know, uh, university coach that we have on or even at uh, Nate or, or whatever. Um, how, as a coach, how do you help um, your student athletes excel at both? Because it's such a interesting and uh, very difficult uh, dynamic to juggle, uh, especially at U of A where the academic standards are very high. Um, how do you help out uh, your players on your team do both on the court and then in the classroom? Yeah, it's always a challenge for sure. As you mentioned, the you know the academic rigor here at U of A is, is quite quite high. I think the first part is just making sure we make sure as coaches and staff that that's a priority to us, and uh, making sure the athletes know that it is you know student first uh, and athlete second, mm-hmm. even you know, how much time they put into the athlete part. So I think that's kind of the, the first part is prioritizing that. And then, you know, having some some flexibility in, you know, they might have exams, they might have things that maybe conflict with pieces of our schedule and, you know, allowing for them to prioritize that school piece. Um, and then just really encouraging them as young people to learn time management skills and, okay, how do you, how do you balance uh, both those aspects of your life because they really are full-time jobs in themselves. 
Um, and so I think really, really teaching them those skills and helping them to, to learn that aspect of it because it's things they'll need in, in life moving forward. So mm-hmm. I think those are kind of the key areas. We actually had our academic all-Canadian breakfast yesterday morning here at U of A, and it's just amazing to see all the athletes that are clearly doing a very good job of balancing both the student part and the athlete part. And I think the, you know, the professors at U of A really help with that part mm-hmm. too, of just allowing for, you know, some exams to be taken on the road if we're traveling and just um, being really accommodating in, in some of those parts. Mm-hmm. Um, game time tonight and tomorrow, tonight, 7.30? Yes, tomorrow we, the men play at 6 and we play at 7.30 and then on Saturday we are the oh, sorry, early tomorrow. match, so 5 p.m. and the men yeah. are 6.30 after Yeah, us. sorry. Uh, tomorrow, yeah, so tomorrow 7.30 and then 5 on Saturday, correct? Yes. Okay. Are you going to be nervous tomorrow? I'm sure I will be. Yes, I think the you know competition kind of always brings out that that initial nerve. But I think the the overwhelming feeling is definitely excitement. Mm-hmm. It's always a, a long preseason leading up to that that first regular season game of um, of our year. So I think the overwhelming feeling is definitely excitement. But I'm sure. Once I get out there, the nerves will definitely sink in. Do, do you think there'll be one, maybe you're on the bench in one aspect that's going to come, I mean, easier to you or maybe one aspect that's that you're going to be, is there a decision-making process? Maybe you throw a sub in at a certain time? Like, is there, have you gone through this in your head, how you're kind of going to play this out tonight for your first game uh, coaching the Pandas? Yeah, I mean, you definitely think of the the different options you might have if, you know, something were to happen in terms of the, the substitutions. I think I've been really fortunate to have gotten to spend, you know, the whole summer uh, head coaching at the at the international level. Um, and so that's definitely helped with, you know, those in-game decisions because you can't really create, you know, the pressure that competition brings. So I think getting practice over the, you know, the last two years as a head coach in, yeah, a relatively intense environment has definitely helped. But I think it's really hard to prepare for mm-hmm. kind of how you'll react in the in the heat of competition, but for sort of thinking through some of the options and where we might want to use certain players is definitely something uh, we do bef- before the match just to just to help with that. Well, um, Carolyn, thanks for doing this. Uh, good luck tomorrow and uh, Saturday, first weekend uh, at the helm of Pandas Volleyball. Uh, you've worked really hard, I would imagine, just to get to this stage, and uh, it's a new era in uh, University of Alberta Athletics. Congratulations on uh, being the uh, head coach, and good luck uh, this weekend and uh, over the course of the year. Thank you very much, and really appreciate you having me on. All right, that's Carolyn O'Dwyer, Pandas Volleyball Head Coach. Uh, man, it's been since 1991 since uh, you had the opportunity to say Laurie, not Laurie Eisler, Pandas Head Coach. So very interesting. That's in the community uh, for United Sports and Cycle, fourth generation family owned and operated business in the heart of Old Strathcona supporting hockey in our community for over 95 years. The Duke of Delburn, when you were at U of A playing intramural hockey, <laughs> Did you consider yourself a student athlete? Not even uh, <laughs> not even a little bit. I partly considered myself a student, let alone uh, an athlete. I was 
more of a bar star at that, <laughs> at that time of my what, life. What years were you again at U of A? Uh, so I got there in the fall of 13 and then uh, left in 2018, I guess. Yeah. And you were at every Bears and Pandas game at Claire Drake every weekend? Uh, no? Not everyone, but tons of Bears games and, and quite a few Pandas games as well. I mentioned before I was uh, lucky enough to be friends with one of the young ladies that uh, was on the team. I worked yeah. with her. Um uh, in a, a kind of part-time job while going through school. So she was always kind enough to invite me and some of the boys out uh, to watch the game and then go hang out with the team afterwards, which was always uh, a lot of fun. To, they're, they're great athletes, of mm-hmm. course, but they are still students um, as well, which means they still like to have a good time uh, when they're when all the hard work's done. And uh, rat room at the top? That wasn't a super big go-to spot for, for myself and uh, really? my group of uh, hooligans. We uh, loved, my fir- when I lived in residence my first year, we loved uh, Duke's Donair Shop <laughs> right across the street from Lister Center. Shout out Duke's. I, uh, uh, I don't know how many gallons, because that's what you bought. You bought them in gallons of beer. Uh, four liter jugs at a time Oh yeah, for, yeah. for some great value. And then um, what used to be Hudson's on campus, and then it became Devaney's okay. Irish Bar. Love that spot. And then uh, a staple of the community, Garno Pub, right on 109th Street there and uh, about 86th Avenue. We were, uh, me and the boys were regulars in there. We got to know the three three owners pretty well, and they treated us super good. So. You know, I can remember going to uh, Rat Room at the top when the Bears hockey team won the University Cup uh, well, 20-some years ago was when they were on a roll. And we were kind of covering I was sort of covering it, but not covering it. I was Not, wor- not in an official capacity. No, no, maybe. I was working. I was working. <laughs> but I kind of got uh, kidnapped to go up there for... Oh, yeah, well, twist, it was in the, twist your rubber arm. It was I in bet. the afternoon, Duke. It was in the afternoon, and I still had to work. So I kind of went down there around. I don't know. We I did some interviews. I don't know. I think guys like Ryan Marsh and guys were down there and stuff. Um, man, went in there, and, and I was supposed to be back at work at about three. And <laughs> I never got back till like around after supper sometime. And then went on, uh, went on the air, sort of. <laughs> Man, um, uh, a text from Cat Dad here saying Duke Stone Air is gone. It's now off campus. Oh. Yeah, they're actually in the process of remodeling it right now because uh, the group, the floor that I lived on, Tenth Hen Day, we're we're kind of planning a. Um, I don't know if you want to call it a reunion or just a, a little re get together because it's been ten years since we all moved in there, and a lot of us are still pretty close friends. So we were kind of planning a little get together back there at our, our main spot, but we're gonna have to wait till the remodel's done and head to uh, off campus, as it's now going to be called, but. I'll I'll always know it as Duke's. So you could buy a four liter jug. They would just like fill up one of those milk containers of pretty draft pretty now. well. Yeah. yeah, they called it a teamer because yeah. the the indication was that you should drink it as a team with you. But that was not usually the case. Uh, you'd go in there, throw down your thirty one dollars precisely, what? and uh, and get it for yourself. Um, it was uh, and it so was four liters. Four liters. Yeah. A G D. <laughs> um, which I don't know. That might have just been the label I slapped on. I think they might have bought it out of some back alley instead because the beer was putrid. But at, that point, at that point in life, it was cheap. It was accessible. You didn't have to take a six-floor uh, elevator to get to it like Rat. All you had to do was walk across the street. How, how um, many beers is that? Like, uh, in those little like plastic cups, it was like 10, 10. give or take. But I know, like, because f- at uh, different places you can get these, like, table kegs and stuff, they usually work out to about seven or eight pints or so but wow uh when we come back maybe we'll touch a little bit more about duke's uh u of a run his exploitations and uh duke's donair duke's donair uh well 
wrap things up on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440 right after the break. All right, welcome back to the big program, uh, Sports 1440. Uh, Kevin Carey, uh, Duke Delburn, Brandon Douglas. Uh, we were talking about, uh, man, oh, man, your, your, your old haunts and the Doan Air place is gone. It's gone, now off campus. Duke's Doan Air is gone, off campus. Uh, it's funny how the hammer comes in every time as soon as Laddie leaves. Uh, so Laddie leaves at, uh, well... He left at 9.56 a.m. Or, yeah, right. And so the hammer chimes in at 9.56, right when Laddie's on his way out the door. I'll do my talking on the ice. <laughs> so in case you missed it, Ladislav Schmid uh, plays uh, with the hammer, who he doesn't know who he is. And uh, they play at uh, noon or whatever at Nisku. So the hammer will be doing his talking on the ice. Um. And we were also talking about, Duke, the hardest sports. I still believe hockey is the hardest. Uh, Mano a mano, tennis is by far the hardest sport because you compete directly against someone continuously the whole match and you have no one else to rely on. Uh, That comes in. We don't have a name uh, from this dude. Send us your name uh, on that one, big guy or girl, whatever it is, Um, just so we can have a name in our contact list uh, Yes, tennis is hard. It There's no question. All these sports that everyone is talking about, golf is hard. Hitting a golf ball is tough. Hitting a baseball is tough. Uh, again, anytime you have an extension on your body, whether it be skates, whether it be a tennis racket, uh, in hockey's case, it's double because you've got the skate on an eighth of an inch steel blade. Then you've got a stick in your hand. Um, that's why baseball is tough. You're hitting a ball that's moving. That's why it's so frustrating that a guy can't hit a golf ball better, for me anyway. Honest, Duke, I, I, I think I can hit a baseball better than a golf ball. You? Uh, you I, I don't know. I, I'm an okay golfer and can, like, strike the ball pretty well, and, and I played a lot of baseball growing up, both hardball and then in men's fastball, and now just usually some slow pitch here and there. But the, the thing, when you were comparing different sports and stuff, and I wanted to bring this up with Laddie as well when you guys were mm-hmm. talking about, like, growing up, you know, in, in North America, usually growing up, throwing a baseball or throwing a football or something, more so in the States with the football side of thing, I think. But, yeah. like, I can throw a baseball, like, from the fence at center field to home plate. Like, I, I can... Ooh, I have, rocket I have a, arm. I have a... For, given my size, like, and it's, it sounds like a brag, it's not. It's just like, I can throw a baseball pretty well. I've played my whole life. I cannot throw a football worth a damn. Hmm. Like, I can't throw a spiral. I can't throw it more than, like, 15 yards because really? obviously the mechanics are different, yeah. but in principle, as a quote unquote athlete, you would think that I should be able to figure it out, but try as I may, try as I might, hmm. I never learned how to play football, never played it organized. It's not something I can do. Like I cannot throw a football. Well, we might have to get you out. Uh, With Eddie. Eddie, Eddie's going to take you out right here, <laughs> just outside the uh, studio doors here at uh, the Stingray Studios. There's a there's a good track if we kind of threw one across over to the Lego. Until area. I, I turf one straight down and break up some of these Lego displays. I'd like to see you stretch out over the railing, oh, go for God. like you know, like that guy that caught the football. That was the the field goal miss, wasn't it? In yeah, the NFL, and he went down into the tunnel or whatever. <laughs> um, hey. 
Thanks to, uh, yeah, Slats, Brad Slater is just confirming that Monday our co-host will be Dave Jamison. Uh, Lorianne Munzer's off for a couple more weeks, but Dave Jamison will be our guest host from 8 till 10 on Monday. So thanks for uh, DJ for coming in for that. Looking forward to that. Don't known Dave a long, long time. I think talking about knowing someone a long, long time, you know, when we had Carolyn O'Dwyer on from the U of A Pandas uh, and Lori Eisler there since 1991, when I got here, uh, Lori Eisler was on um, kind of like on a mat leave, I guess, for a little bit, but not long. Uh, so Terry, her husband, the ice, Terry Eisler, the ice man, um, been in football coach forever at every level possible. Uh, they just had their son, uh, Clayton, I believe, back when I got here uh, in 97. Uh, and then Clayton ended up going back to play in Melville, where I'm from. He played junior with the Millionaires for three years. And we always had that connection. Every day they would come, hey, where did, uh, you know, uh, where's he staying at? Uh, who's his bill and things like that. So that was back in, in 97. I don't know where, I think Clayton went and played at U of R for a while too. So I think he was a pretty good defense and played uh, three or four years of junior A and uh, then a couple of years at, uh, in uh, University of Regina, I think so. Um, tonight, Oilers in Philadelphia, as we've talked about it off the top, who's going to play goal? Well, it looks like it's going to be Jack Campbell. And hey, I mean, we've been, we were debating it, but a loose form of debate. So all the texters that said it was Campbell hands down, I, we agree. I agree. The Duke agrees. Everyone agrees in the sense that Jack Campbell had a great game uh, Tuesday in Nashville. But if there were a plan in place and it was communicated that, you know, we're going to see how things split up here then maybe it might have been Stuart Skinner. Everyone's fine with Jack Campbell the way he played on Tuesday night. Vincent DeHarnay will draw in, it appears, for Philip Broberg on the back end and will play on the back end tonight with uh, Brett Kulak. So that'll be the third defense pairing uh, tonight. Lines will stay the same. So Kane, McDavid, Dreisaitl, and then it'll be uh, Fogel, RNH, and uh, Zach Hyman. Uh, That Troika picked up nine points uh, on Tuesday in Nashville. Zach Hyman had one goal, three assists. Uh, Holloway, McLeod, and Brown, and then uh, Ernie, Yanmark, and Ryan. So it'll be Ekholm and Bouchard, Nurse, and CeCe, and then Kulak and DeHarnay um, on the back end with Jack Campbell in goal. Uh... You know, one thing that's kind of getting a little traction here, Duke, is uh, Alex Ovechkin. So no goals in his last eight games dating back to last year. Can you count last year? Well, you know, it is what it is. Um, but no shots the last couple of games. What do you think of that? Is is this a little bit of a kind of a lull in Ovi's start to the season? Yes, it is. Will it continue? Even Laddie was asking it in a commercial break. Do you think this continues? Or I, I told Laddie he's, he could get a power play goal and an empty net goal in a matter of two minutes in the next game. Yeah, I don't think there's any cause for concern here. He's still Alex Ovechkin. The, the Capitals are a team that is almost kind of in limbo about what exactly they're going to do. They moved out some uh, some pieces bringing new guys in. Of course, the new extension to Tom Wilson shows that they are still committed to being competitive as long as Ovechkin is there. They want him to break that record in a Capitals uniform. So I'm not concerned. He's going to figure it out. I mean, the surprising thing is going consecutive games without a shot on goal. Mm -hmm. Like uh, that has happened 
if not ever so so rarely over the course of his what is now a incredibly long career so I'm not concerned you know we're gonna talk some fantasy stuff with Matt Larkin coming up here at 1120 on mm-hmm. fantasy frenzy maybe we'll throw that idea to to Matt and see what he has to say about it if there's some underlying numbers that might gear us towards thinking that it is all of a sudden a this is a cliff like drop off if this is indicative of how the whole season's going to go of course yeah, but i'm not concerned just, he's still alex ovechkin and he's going to get his uh by the time 82 games are through this is a, just a tiny teeny little blip on the radar um again i what did we say i said he would get 38 this year you said something about the same yeah, said, I, yeah, I think I'm, you went to forty. Didn't we you? should uh, we should pull the tape. Yes, so it, let's go to the videotape. That's uh, that's a great thing about uh, live radio is that uh, you don't you rarely have to actually go back and prove anything that you said because uh, un, we're the only ones that have access to the logs. Well, for sure, but I a guess lot the podcast. I bought a lot. I was just going to say the <laughs> podcast, man. You can't say anything. Back in the day, we could say anything you want. You'd go, I didn't say that. I never said that. It's not what happened. Uh, thanks for uh, helping out there, Duke. I had to. I was getting a text in from Tim Shipton from the Oilers Entertainment Group, and uh, uh, Tim, I uh, will give you a shout here in about five minutes. Uh, once again, rock solid show uh, as the Oilers get ready for their uh, final game of this road trip in Philadelphia. Quick two game. We're back here on Saturday night with Winnipeg, but man, we really focused on the Oilers today. John Bucicross, uh, NHL on ESPN. He will be uh, doing the call tonight with AJ Molesko on ESPN. Ladislav Speed, man, oh man. Uh, if you could read the text about how happy our listeners are with Laddie coming in every Thursday, you would be just uh, flabbergasted. Uh, Mark Spector, Frank Saravalli, uh, Kevin Kurz, we had a, a literally four-banger talking about the Oilers and Flyers uh, tonight. Bob Nightingale, nobody knows more about ball in the States than Bob Nightingale from the USA Today. Uh, Rod Walker from the Times-Picayune as the Saints get ready for Jacksonville. It looks as if uh, Trevor Lawrence will start tonight for the Jaguars. Um, that's just coming in from Adam Schefter right now. And then Carolyn O'Dwyer from the U of A Pandas volleyball team as the Pandas get ready to open the season this weekend against uh, TRU, Thompson Rivers. Uh, coming up at 11 o'clock, it is the former... Ross Shep T-Bird. Connor Alley and the Duke of Delburn with Fantasy Frenzy at 12 o'clock till 2. It'll be the lowdown with Low Tide, Alan Mitchell, and then Jason Greger takes us home 2 o'clock to 6 right here on Sports 1440. Thanks so much for listening. We're back here bright and early tomorrow at 7 a.m. with our co-host, Eddie Steele, with a special surprise... For Eddie Steele in studio. Can't wait for that. Uh, Thanks for listening. We'll see you back here tomorrow. Before we go to the top of the hour, here's a sports update with the Duke.